Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Wow, what a, what a Sunday already. It's been, it's been great. And again, I just want to say again to uh, the Pastor James and Pastor Hughes and to the Meeks uh, Chapel family, thank you so much for being here. I see a couple of our, our Fusion Jam youth. I almost said kiddos, but you aren't kiddos, you're youth. So we're glad that you're here, here worshiping with us this morning. We're, we're in the middle of our series that we're calling High Christology, because one of the things as, as your pastor, I, I want to make sure that we are, are clear with one thing. Because we claim the name as Christ in our names, we must have a, a high Christology. And that, what I mean by that is that we must know who it is that, that we worship and who it is that, that we are here to be, to be a part of and who guides us and, and who, who leads us. There's a, a, a new, uh, young, influential, I think he's influential, he, he's influenced me, and I, I've taught, heard him a couple of times, uh, a theologian by the name of Keys Kiesler. And he doesn't have any books out yet. Uh, he, he, he's uh, teaching at uh, my alma mater, Fringe University. And he talked about what, what theology is. You know, last week we talked about how we need to do theology like a, a crossword puzzle. Sometimes, uh, well, we definitely want to do it in pencil because if we do it in pen, we're arrogant. Uh, sometimes we have to skip over some of the answers because we just don't know. And, and sometimes we have to use the eraser and erase what we think we knew what the answer was and, and write something else in. He gave us another way to look at theology. He, he looked at it as, as basketball. Theology is like basketballs. We, we, uh, there, there are people who, who want to learn the rules of basketball and uh, learn all about it so that they can play the game. And then there is those people who want to learn all about basketball so that they can blow the whistle. And what, what I mean by that is that sometimes there are, there are people who, who really want to understand who Jesus is in, in their lives and, and, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ so we can play the game, so, so we can do those things that are important as followers of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, we do have people that are out there who, who want to know what it means to follow Jesus so that they can just blow the whistle. So, so they can point out what is right and what is wrong. And, and basically when they say what is right is what is wrong, is that they're saying that what I say is right is right. And what I say is wrong is wrong. And you better follow what my rules say or, or you'll just be sitting on the bench. You'll, you'll foul out right away and you'll never get into the game. That's not what following Christ is all about. We, we learn theology. We learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ so that we can be in the midst of the game, following and, and, and living as Christ representatives to the world. See, all, all of this theology, everything that we learn, everything that we do is, is for one purpose only. And that purpose is so that we live our lives in doxology 
Now, doxology is one of those uh, big theological terms, and basically what it means is that we live our lives so that everything that we do gives praise to God. If you come to our, our second service, we'll, we'll sing the doxology. That's that praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's what doxology is. That means everything we do, everything that we have, whether it's camping out in the middle of the night in the family life center, uh, going to be a part of another worship service, um, being in intentional relationship with one another, all of that leads to doxology. And my friends, we have amazing songs that, that lead us to doxology. I think what the praise team is doing uh, today, their, their music leads us in praise to God. There's one song that, that I have uh, on repeat on, on my phone that I listen to in the car called King of Kings by, by Hillsong. And, and in that song, there is a perfect view. Uh, the verses give us a picture of who Jesus is and, and, and what it means to follow him. But the, the chorus in that verse gives us a perfect view of doxology. The chorus is, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Kings. I, I love songs like that because it, 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 it lifts me up into praise to God. It, it allows me to say that, that I am following Christ and Christ is who I will, will, will hold true. And Christ is the one that informs me, who, who, who gives me strength, who, who allows me to be in ministry the way God calls me to be in ministry. Now, on, on the traditional side of that, uh, we have one of the, the most prolific hymn writers in, in the Methodist tradition, a guy by the name of Charles Wesley. You know, he wrote over 11 hundred hymns, 1,100 hymns, all of them very, very Christologically based, very uh, wanting to make sure that we are pointed to who Jesus is. Unfortunately, we only have 51 in our hymnal, but all of his hymns point to us, you know, great hymns like, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Christmas, we sing, hark the herald angels sing, and then when we celebrate Easter, you can be sure that one of the hymns that we sing was written by Charles Wesley called Christ the Lord is Risen Today. See, all of those hymns, all of those songs gives us a picture and a view of who Jesus is. Unfortunately, I think we live in a time now where we kind of forget who Jesus is. And, and, and I, I put it towards uh, this little screen that I have here about how we take a look at how we do faith. And, and the center of all we do is, is God. And then we get to understand and know God through, through three different things. First, we, we know who God is through what's called dogma. And that means the essentials. These are the essentials to faith. And, and, and if we are a Christian church, and those who, who hold to being a Christian church, we hold on to these essentials. The triune God being one of those essentials. That, that Jesus Christ, his, his exclusive but yet inclusive nature, 
that, that we talk about in Scripture, how we come to Jesus. Uh, he is the one that gives us the way, the truth, and the life. Another one of those essentials that we hold on to is our, our status of faith, that we are saved by faith and not by the works that we do, that the works that we do are a sign or a way that we can show how much we love God and how God has saved us. Then the second circle is doctrine. And doctrine is where a lot of churches and, and, and a lot of denominations, they start to war with each other. We want to think about specifically the doctrine of, of baptism. We all can say that baptism is important because it's initiation into the body of Christ, but we have disagreements on, well, do we baptize infants? Do we uh, have believer baptism only where you have to make a, a statement of your faith? That is a, a disagreement that we have that shouldn't be a, a, a division in our church. Another one, it has to do with Holy Communion. There, there are different ways that we view Holy Communion throughout all of the different denominations from that it is actually Christ's body and blood to there's a real presence there to a symbol. All of it, we know that it's important for us to participate in communion because it is a command by Jesus for us to do so. But how we participate in that is kind of a, doctri a doctrinal difference between different denominations. And then there's the opinions. And we have opinions here in our own church. I think uh, one of the ways that I like to hear about opinions is like opinions are like armpits. Everybody has at least two, and sometimes they smell. You know, but in the church, we, we get stuck with opinions like traditional worship, contemporary worship. Do, does the pastor need to, to wear a robe whenever he's preaching, or is it okay if the pastor wears a shirt? Do we stand? Do we sit? All of these type of things are opinions, and, and the problem with the church today is sometimes we elevate those doctrinal differences over the essentials. And we make those, 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 those little necessary things that we say makes our different tribes different. We say that is who we are instead of focusing on what what's really matters. And that is who God is and how God plays in our lives. So, to recap our series, we, we've talked about the importance that Jesus is our central definition for God. And we, we see that in John 14 where, where Jesus says that if you look at God, or if you look at me, you see who God is. Brian Zahn says it this way, that the Son is the perfect revelation of who the Father eternally is. So if we want to know who, who God the Father is, all we have to do is look at Jesus. All we have to do is, is to take a look at what he taught, what he shared, how he healed, how he loved, and that is who the Father is. Last week we talked about how Scripture is the written word of God, and that points to a living Son of God. See, sometimes we have a, a, a danger of, of elevating Scripture to be a lot more than, than what it really is, but we also have a tendency to lower Scripture to a point to where it's just meaningless words that sometimes we take a look at when we want to make ourselves feel better, or, or, or we'll have the opportunity to take certain parts out of Scripture when all 
of Scripture gives us a view of who the living Son of God is. Today we're going to extend that point by discussing how without Christ all we have is religion. See, if we were to take Christ completely out of of Christianity, we would just have this this mush of, of ideas that really doesn't make much sense at all. You know, they're, they're saying that there, that there are a lot of different world religions out there, and I see uh, the post on, on Facebook and on Twitter about how all of the religions are basically just the same thing, but one thing that we hold on to as, as followers of Jesus Christ is that there may be a lot of, uh, of similarities between different world religions, but the one part that we hold on to as believers in Jesus Christ, if we take that out, then, then we miss who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. I love this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson where he says that it behooves us to be careful what we worship because for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. We have to be careful what we worship because that will become what our identity is. And my friends, I want my identity to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want anything and everything that I do to be a way for people to be introduced to the love and grace of Jesus Christ so that they may come and participate in that love. So there are two pitfalls that we can fall into, and we fall into it very easily when we think about who Jesus is or or how we can sometimes let that Christ come out of our Christianity and we just become into just a a plain, ordinary religion. First of all, it's just kind of accidental. That happens all the time, and I think it happens accidentally because we just assume that because we are Christian, then everybody knows exactly what that means. And I'll give you one example that's a part of our church right now. If you look at our vision, uh, that, uh, you can find it on the bulletin, the very first thing that it says is Be Gods, capital B-E, capital G-O-D, apostrophe S. And, and when we say that, what we're saying is that we are saying that we belong to God. But I've had somebody come up to me and say, Chris, that, that saying is too vague. And I'm going, no, it's not. We, we know exactly what that saying means, is that when we say that we, we are belonging to God or we are God's, we are saying that we belong to Jesus Christ. But some people, they don't get that. And sometimes when we say be God's, it looks like, well, we're just inviting everybody to come and, and worship this divine being that, that is just all over and all the other religions worship. See, see, that is kind of the accidental thing that happens when we say that. We, we assume that people understand what we mean by being followers of Jesus Christ, that it kind of leaks out. That's why we've had series about what our vision means, because sometimes it just leaks out and we just kind of live in a bland, uh, not just full, full living of what being God's means. And, and we need to reassure each other and remind each other that when we say we belong to God, we are saying that we belong 
as people of Jesus Christ, and he is our life and our salvation. The other danger is that sometimes when we take a look at Jesus Christ, we, we hold Jesus in a particular moment and time. And that's what our scripture points to today as we go to Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. We'll have the words on the screen for you to follow along. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is talking to a couple of disciples that are on their way back home because Jesus was just crucified. And, and there's been rumors about this, that Jesus somehow has risen from the dead. And, and on this trip, they've been talking to him about what had happened in Jerusalem. And then Jesus says to them, How foolish you are, and how too slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. The disciples at this time were in a time of despair. The, the person that, that, they, that they followed, the person that they believed in was, was crucified, a, a public, embarrassing death. And then he was put away in a tomb. And, and if you are familiar with the story, it, it kind of, if we harmonize the Gospels together, the disciples were kind of hidden in this one room, and it was the women that came to the disciples and said that Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and the Gospels tell us that only two disciples ran to the tomb to see what was going on. The rest of them stayed put. And I think the disciples stayed put because they were totally satisfied looking at, at the one that they were calling the Messiah, seeing how he was killed on the cross and then laid into the tomb, and for them, the story was over. There was nothing else to add to the story, so they were living in a moment of despair. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there are times that I look at my faith journey, and, and, and when things get, get hard and, and things get rough, I realize that what I am doing, I am living in, in a moment of despair. And, and I'm, I'm keeping Jesus in that empty tomb. That was how I said how in that empty tomb. That tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer there, but I want to keep him there because the despair the grief, and the anguish is what I want to live in. So in order for me to live into that grief, despair, and that, and that hurt, I need to say there's no way that Jesus came out of that empty tomb. There, there is no way that, that Jesus rose from the dead because of, of how I'm feeling. And my friends, when we rely on our feelings as the way that we uh, encounter our relationship with God, we, we miss the point. We, we want to make sure that Jesus stays in a place where I can contain him, but not allow Jesus to be risen 
and be in my midst. See, when we see that Jesus is risen from the dead and how Jesus is alive in and around us, then we fully see who the Christ is. And we know that he is not held by the power of death, but he is the one who has conquered death. See, it's so easy to get wrapped up in in one aspect of the Jesus story that we fail to see that Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. And, And when the time is done and we have the new creation that we hear spoken in the book of Revelation, that Christ is present through all of that. And because Christ is present in all of that, we, as followers of Jesus Christ, can live in that presence. See, if we hold on to Jesus in one point of his ministry, we miss the Jesus through all of his ministry. And sometimes that we, in our lives, we love to hold on to Jesus in just one particular moment that we fail to see Jesus active and alive in the rest of our lives. One of the easy ways that we do that, and, and I'm, not, I'm not calling out this ministry because I totally uh, love it and I think it's very valuable, but it's the Emmaus ministry. You know, I'm in times and time again, I hear people talk about how great their Emmaus walk was, and, and they, they hold on to that just one particular moment, which was great, very validating, and helped them to become connected to who God is, but if you are focused just on that one moment, you have the opportunity or the danger to miss where God will move again and again and again in your life. And then as you continue to try to grow in your faith, your view of Christ becomes narrower and narrower. And the next thing you know, we live in this dead religion where God only works in that one moment of your life and you fail to see God move again and again. So that's why we are talking about what high Christology is. It's a reminder for us that, that Christ continues to be revealed in our lives, that, that Christ continues to show up even when we're not fully paying attention. And God calls us to to live this life, be open to him, to allow the truth of his words to guide us and lead us so that we may have life and that we may have life abundantly through him. Let us pray. Oh God, sometimes it's easy for us to start Uh, majoring in the minors. And what I mean by that is that we want to take different aspects of our lives and hold them up and make them our gods. But Lord, you remind us that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And when we live our lives fully embraced in your love, it changes us. It molds us, it, it, it moves us so that we can share that love with our neighbors. So God, help us to see you active or in and around us. 
Help us to see you uh, moving in our communities and our, our relationships and in the world around us. And then God, help us to chase after that. Chase after your active ways so that we may be people of Jesus Christ. And so we lift this in his name. Amen.